Hey, this is Derek D Train D2. Tonight's episode is brought to you by. Testicular cancer is the most common cancer in men ages 15 to 35. Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to teach you how to check yourself for testicular cancer. First, you want to take a warm shower. Second, Use both hands to gently roll your little fellas one at a time between your fingers, checking for lumps, change in size, or any pain. If you feel a soft tube on top or behind your testicles, don't panic. This is the epididymis, and it's totally normal. We recommend checking yourself once a month. And if you do feel any lumps or swelling, then talk to your doctor right away. Hello? So fellas, make sure you check it and check yourself before you wreck yourself. Share this video to help spread awareness. Hello, welcome back to the Blue Line Hockey Club, folks. We got another exciting episode of the Blue Line Hockey Club. We got 103 tonight, fellas. And we got all the usual suspects sitting in the house with us tonight. We got our producer, Patrick Uncle Lardy Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. And our IT guy, the local nerd on staff, Robbie Pete Peters. What's up, Pete? Hey, how you mama now? And the all-around sports guru, Derek D-Train, he too. What's up, D-Train? What's up, Sweenos? And your host of the Blue Line Hockey Club tonight, Mark the Doctor Morley. Oh, Doctor. <laughs> we got a very special guest sitting with us tonight. Uh, we've got Craig Button from TSN. He's a, the lead scouting analyst for TSN. He's been a GM with uh, Calgary, and he's been with the Stars as well. Uh, as a scout there as well. He's been in the hockey world for a long time. Welcome to the show, Craig. How's it going? It's going really good. And my pleasure to join you guys uh, on this uh, uh, summer night that we're getting excited for a little bit of hockey to come back. So I think that we're not used to that, but we're ready for it, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little weird. A little weird waiting for this to happen. The teams are practicing and stuff like that. And it looks like an, an exhibition game is coming up and a couple of weeks, so we're finally going to get some hockey again. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, it is, and you, you know, it's uh, it's something that's uh, completely unprecedented, and you know, it should uh, create some uh, excitement. I, I have no doubt it will create excitement, but you know, it's also going to be interesting to see, you know, with this long layoff, how the teams uh, perform as, as units, and then how the individual players, you know, to see what they've uh, been doing and how they trained and. Um, I, I think we could, uh, with the rest and players being as close to fully healthy as, as they have been at this point of a season, and I say that playoffs on the line, I tell you what, uh, you know, it should make for a, a great run uh, before the Stanley Cup is uh, handed out. Yeah, I'm interested to see. I've kind of been thinking about it. Like, what teams are the teams with the more veteran players going to come back, come out of the gates, or is it going to be the teams with the young bucks? Um, with the you know fresher legs, younger kids bouncing back earlier, getting the shape quicker. And what are your thoughts on that? What do you think? Uh, you think the the younger guys or the older teams are going to have the advantage of when they kick this off? Yeah, you, you know what? I'm really not sure. You know, like uh, you know, I think that uh, as you get uh, longer and deeper into the playoff runs under normal conditions, I think that you know young legs can you, you know recover a little bit quicker, as you point out, and you know you can you know, push the tempo a little bit better. And, you know, the older players have to, you know, really manage uh, their time off and, and, and their recovery. But, you know, I mean, when, when, the, when the games start, it's going to be four and a half months. So everybody is going to, I, I think, is going to, like I said, be fully healthy 
And I think there's going to be massive energy. And, and the energy, you know, players have find a way to, we hear the term, dig down deep and find a way. But, you know, the, the mental rest as well as the physical rest, I, 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 I think it's going to really help all players. And I, I think that players uh, that have experienced the challenges of the playoffs are, are, are going, the NHL playoffs, are, are going to have an upper hand here. I really do. Because uh, they're ready. And they know already what it takes. So, you know, I, I, I would lean a little bit. And I'm not talking about the, the 33-year-old players. I'm talking about the players that are 26 and 25 and 27 that have been through it. And I, I think that they uh, have a real opportunity to uh, be in a place that they, they really have never been uh, playing uh, into the playoffs. Yeah, Craig, you, you mentioned energy, you know, that, that kind of pumps up the players on the ice. Um, how, how do you think the effect of no fans, um, you know, what's that got to do on their energy level? And do you know any information on that? Uh, they're pumping in fan, I know, banter, voice. whatever you want to call it, voice into the <laughs> team. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I mean, uh, the NHL's talked about they're going to have some creative uh, things they're going to do, and I think it's a great opportunity to experiment and try some things. And, you know, if they work, you can consider doing them going forward. And if they don't work or they become something that really isn't appealing, you you, you can stop them uh, immediately yeah. or somewhere down the road. But, you know, one of the things, that I, like, like, you know, the emotions of the playoffs and the emotions of, of the fans, you know, really – uh, can carry players. So I don't worry about the top-level competitive guys. Sidney Crosby could go play in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean on frozen ice. <laughs> and he is he is dialed in to do one thing, Connor McDavid, those top players. But I would, be, I would be concerned about those other players that we see rise up in the playoffs because of the emotions and they draw on the energy uh, of the fans. And, you, you know, without that, you know, it's it's going to be really about self-motivation. And some players are better at self-motivation than others. And, you know, I think that that's going to be an interesting thing to watch is some of the players that, you know, just can't get the level of play up because, uh, you know, they're, they're not capable of doing it without these kind of outside forces, which are the fans. And, you know, sure. that'll be interesting to watch. And I have no doubt that there's going to be a handful of players, not just a handful, there's going to be a lot of players that are going to struggle in that regard. Yeah. Craig, I think uh, to that point, I think what we're kind of missing talking about is the importance right now. You're going you're gonna to see right now how good the coaching is of each team in the AHL because this is completely unprecedented. And you're talking about guys that are, you know, younger players, guys that are veterans players. But, you know, coaching is going to be completely under the – microscope right now and i think you're going to see the guys that can coach these squads in on very unusual circumstances rise to the top so i think you're going to see uh in my opinion anyways uh really great coaches are going to shine in this situation what do you think yeah no i i, I think that's a great point and uh, you know when you when you think about it too like every coach is coming back to the team they left on uh, march 12th so, you know, it's not like it's not an off season where seven or eight players have left your team and you're looking at who to integrate and can the younger player handle it. You're, the, the group that you left is exactly the same group. You've worked with them, uh, you know, since last September. You have a really good feel 
for you know how they perform, how to use them, you know what what, what the uh, what the units look like in terms of lines and defense combos. So I now to your point, I think that I'm watching the coaches. I'm really watching the coaches because they've had four and a half months to come back to the same group. I want to see who's innovative. I want to yes. see who's going to have things like the Philadelphia special that the Eagles pulled off in the Super Bowl. I want to <laughs> yeah. see, yeah. you know, like who's going to be bold and who's going to try to keep opponents on their heels instead of this, oh, we're going to get into this rhythmic, you know, kind of methodology of playing. And, you know, and the coaches have had that four and a half months to come up with different things. And, you know, you don't have to implement some team structure or system of team play. It's there. You, you, you have yeah. to get it up to speed and you have to get it working. But there's a real opportunity here for some creativity and innovation. And to your point, I'm going to be watching those coaches. They're, they're going to reveal themselves for, for not only what they've been doing in the last four and a half months, but for how they're going to handle this very unique situation. I agree completely. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at, yeah. Yeah, they're going to have players coming in and out. You know, some might get sick, get somebody out. So it is going to be a challenge for sure. Yeah, it will be. But you know, those are those are challenges that they that, that they become accustomed to, right? And you know, one of the interesting things that I find is a, you you read about some of the draft picks that are in in the phase through in the phase three training groups that have been named to the roster. Whether all the players on the in the phase three are going to come into phase four remains to be seen. But I can tell you this: the coaches don't know those players. They haven't had any chance, for the most part to see those players under game situations. And, you know, I know how reluctant coaches are, you know, at the beginning of a season uh, when, when they're uncertain about a young player. You're going into this type of a scenario yeah. with a young player and you're uncertain? Yeah, mm. you know, I, I would I would be very cautious uh, if I were a team uh, that's trying to integrate a player that has no NHL experience under his belt. And there's a bunch of them that are playing. There are a bunch of them that are really good prospects. This is a whole different animal. Yeah, just to touch on that a little bit, um, you know, the teams when the right before all this COVID shit started, you know, those teams that were on a hot streak, you know, take like the Minnesota Wild were playing really good hockey at that point, um, you know, kind of a bubble team. Um, you know, how are they going to come back after the break? You know, Rangers. You know, the Rangers, you know, some of these teams that were coming on towards the end of that season, where, where are they going to be when they come back? Can they, can they get back to where they were? You know, the momentum swing that they had, it's going to be tough, especially Minnesota with a new coach. You know, that really kind of sprung them after Brazil was uh, let go. So that should be interesting to see how they come back. Well, and, and, and it really is going to be interesting. You know, for the Rangers, though, and the Rangers were playing well, you know, they made it uh, the decision in the net that, uh, that Henrik Lundqvist was their third goaltender. I mean, that's where they were at. So, you know, Shesterkin came in. Georgia, they've been good. But keep in mind, Chris Kreider got hurt. He's healthy. You know, Zibanejad had been out. He comes back. And I think that uh, the New York Rangers are a team to watch out for in the East. I, I think they're really good. You know, the, the, the challenge for the Minnesota Wild is their goaltending has been so, so bad. And, you know, now Brock Besser's coming back. Jacob Marstrom's coming back. It's a healthy team now in Vancouver that they're coming up against, a very good offensive team that has some really good depth. So, you know, I, you know Minnesota is what they what, – what they, they're exactly what they are, whereas, you know, before the – you know, when the pause happened, the Vancouver Canucks were short a few players. 
that's not going to be the case when Minnesota plays them. So, you know, when I look at the Chris Kreider's coming back, Brock Besser coming back, Jacob Markstrom coming back, those are big, significant players. Minnesota's not getting any significant players back. Their team was their team, and quite frankly, I don't think they're very good, to be honest. Older team, too, yeah. Speaking of that, Craig, what, what do you think about their prospect crew? What do you think uh, um, him going forward with Minnesota, and uh, is that something that can spark them eventually, you think? Or do you think he's uh, – go ahead. No question. He's a, he's, a, he's an excellent player, and he, he he's proven it. Uh, in the KHL, he's proven it internationally. He, he, he's a, he, he's ready to come into the National Hockey League and contribute right from the get-go. And, yeah. but, you know, when I look at the uh, Minnesota Wild, they, they don't have a lot of skill. And, you know, you can add skill. I mean, and, you know, interesting. They're going to play the Vancouver Canucks and look back, uh, you know, a year. You know, they had Patterson, they had Besser, they had Horvat. And, you know, it was a team that just completely ran. Uh, ran short because they were relying on too few for too much. And, yeah. you know, now they now they trade for JT Miller. They trade for Tanner Pearson. They trade for Tyler Toffoli. Well, now they're a way deeper team. And, and now that skill can, can't be uh, just uh, focused in on by an opponent and negated and isolated. And right now for uh, Kaprizov, I mean, he's a terrific player. But Minnesota has a lot of work to do to add some skill to their to their group because I don't see a lot of skill in that group, uh, you know, going forward in, in, in their forwards. So that's yeah. something that Billy Guerin and their group are going to have to add because if you want to take full advantage of Kaprizov, you're going to have to get more skill around him. Yeah, he's a left winger too, right? So they'd have to have a few couple. Yeah, he can play wing. left or right, but he can yeah, play yeah. left or right wing. He he's very versatile, and you know he's a, he, he's a player that's. Uh, like I said, he's ready to come in and contribute. He's not—he's not one of those players that's going to come in and just play. He's coming in to contribute and be a good player. I mean, he's—he's he's led the score, or you know, scoring in the KHL, hasn't he? In two years in a row. Oh, he's so good though. Like I mean, because because he in, in the offensive zone, he's—he's he's exceptionally smart. He can make plays. He can finish plays. And when you get him around really good players. I mean, he knows how to play off of them, and he knows yeah. how, how to get open, and he knows how to deliver the puck. But if you're delivering the puck to lesser-skilled players or you're relying on lesser-skilled players to get to the puck, you're just not going to be as uh, offensively productive. And so, that you know, he, he's, he's, he's excellent. I, he really is. But he, he, no, he's it's a great, guy that – Great to add one player. Yeah, he's the one that uh, you see when he doesn't have the puck, right? He's just buzzing around, trying to get open, doing – you know, 180s, friggin' swarming in and out of players. <laughs> he's uh, he's the player that uh, without the puck, he's friggin' buzzing. And it's well, a, I can it's tell you this: give and go. I'll give him. I'll I'll i give you the greatest endorsement that uh, Kirill Kaprizov can have. Pavel Datsuk played with him at the Olympics, and Pavel Datsuk thinks there's no doubt in his mind he's going to be a star in the NHL. So forget what I said. Let's just yeah. uh, let's listen to Pavel. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There you go. I mean, we've been talking about it quite a bit, you know, this year. We think that the, uh, the Avalanche have one of the teams to beat. And, you know, I think coming into this playoffs, there's still one of those teams that's going to be right up there for the Stanley Cup. You like the Avs? Love the Avs. And, and, and let me just say this, too. They're another team. 
you know, Eric Johnson's healthy. Nikita Zadorov is healthy. You know, Rantanen has had a chance after his injuries to come back healthy and land the scar. They get Matt Calvert back. They get Nazem Kadri back. I mean, think about where their team was at on March Yeah, but they're healthy now, and that's a good team. That's a, I love their blue line. I think they got great balance on their blue line up front. They can really push you. I thought Joe Sackick made a fantastic trade getting Nazem Kadri. It was a, just a great second-line center to play behind McKinnon. You know, I mean, the goaltending is, is going to have to rise up. I mean, uh, you know, Grubauer has shown some capability. Francis got into the net and was really good for the ass. I'll tell you guys now without trying to uh, uh, get ahead of ourselves, I have the Avs as one of the last four teams standing in the West. So that, yeah. that's after the first round. So I have them in the round of eight uh, as one of those teams. And, you know, I, I, people ask me, well, who do you have in the conference finals? I'm going to hold off because I'm not quite sure. I want to see a few more things before I, before I uh, you know, I'm ready to say that. But, I, but I am ready to say they'll be one of the last four teams. <laughs> I'll scratch that question out then, Greg. <laughs> yeah they're only going to play five game series right so that's going to be a, a difference as well you know a little well, bit colorado is colorado's in the play-in round they're in the seeding round so they're going to yeah, play yeah. three games and then it's best of seven okay yeah. only, only, only the play-in round only the teams that are uh you know the teams that were seeded five to twelve right and colorado's in that top four group so they're they're in with dallas and uh, St. Louis and Vegas in the seeding round. Round robin and then the qualifying, yeah. What, what's your so those, take on that? But when uh, they start. Sorry, that, Craig. What's, uh, what's your take on the Bruins? You know, they were, uh, you know, 44 and 14 when the season ended. They were buzzing all over the ice. I mean, uh, Pasternak, who was tied with Ovechkin and, you know, goals in the league. What, uh, what do you think about the Bruins? Because, I mean, they were just like that team that uh, you just knew they were winning. It didn't matter who they were playing. They were going to win the game. Um, what's your take on the Bruins this year? Well, Top the, team. The you know, I think Bruce Cassidy's a, a hell of a coach. I, I think that when when I look at coaching and you, you watch how, how a team plays, and, you know, that team plays – with a real purpose. They're consistent, obviously. You don't have a record like that without being consistent. But when I watch a team play, the individuals, to me, Bruce allows all those players to be able to be the best version of themselves, to be the best players they are. Whether, whether that's Charlie Coyle or whether it's David Krejci or whether it's Patrice Bergeron, Marchand, or Prasternak, he, he, he understands you know, what their capabilities are, and then he allows them to be who they are, and, and then he pushes them to be the best they can be. So they play to their capabilities. And then when I look at that team, he's able to maximize the potential of the team. He balances the goaltending, the defense. He, he moves different defensemen. And look at what happened last year with the injuries. And, you know, one of the players that I think is going to benefit from the four-and-a-half-months rest is Daniel Chara. You know, sure. so, like, you have, you have Big Z back there, and now he is uh, patrolling things with a lot more rest than he's ever had going into this stage of the season. And so I, I see them as, as one of the front runners. I, I do for the Stanley Cup. But the East is really, really strong, I think. I think Boston, Tampa Bay, Washington, and Pittsburgh, they're really strong teams. They're really, yeah. really strong teams. 
and you know with the with the quality right through their their forward group right into their defense group the goaltending and so those are the four teams that I see standing in the east and, and you know when it's all said and done you know Philadelphia had a fantastic uh, you know push they were one of the teams that was great but I don't see them right now at that point uh, to right now. I know they can because they're, they're a good team, but you got to pick, you got to pick four teams and Philadelphia is the one that I have out. Yeah. Craig, you want to switch over to, uh, if we switch to the West a bit, you think, um, you think a team like uh, the Edmonton Oilers who are, you know, young as hell and maybe playing inspired hockey because of the, you know, the, the passing of Colby cave, do you think a team like that, um, you know, has has you know, kind of a off the wall chance of making a run in this thing, or you know, what do you see out in the West? But uh, I, I kind of think a team like you know that has you know a team that has a McDavid obviously always has a chance. But what do you think about their chances going? In? I think they have good chances to make a deep run. I, you know, they're, they're I have them as one of my four teams left standing in the West. You yeah. know. Mike Smith, if he plays like he can, and like he did, like he he played great last year for Calgary. If Calgary didn't have Mike Smith in the net against Colorado in the playoffs, Calgary would have lost every game by seven goals. I mean, that's you're how right. dominant Colorado. <laughs> no, you're was. right. You're right. And and and, and now Clefbaum's healthy. Ethan Bear has come in and given him great play. You know, N- Nurse and Larson. You know, Kenny Holland made some trades. He added Andreas Athanasiu at, at, at the deadline and. You know, you, I mean, Mike Green's not going to play. He, he's opted out. He was another addition. But, you know, it's dry cycle. Tyler Yamamoto's come in and really been a good player. So, again, they're another example for me. We know McDavid and dry cycle and Ryan Nugent Hopkins have been good players, great players in the case of dry cycle and McDavid. But, again, they're like Vancouver. They were relying on too few for too much. Well, that's not yeah. the case anymore. You know, Zach Cassian fit in nicely, and Tyler Yamamoto fit in nicely. They trade for Athens Seyu. Riley Shan's a good depth forward. They got Garrett Haas and Nygaard, who, who, who can give, give them good, solid play. Dave Tippett's a heck of a coach. You talk about coaching, I think Dave Tippett's a co- an excellent coach. And if you look from January 1st, uh, from that uh, demarcation point in the season, the Edmonton Oilers have been one of the best teams in the league. The yeah. Goals for, goals against, power play, penalty killing. They've been a, they've been one of the one of the really good teams. So I think that they got a real chance. And keep this in mind: Connor McDavid last summer had to spend every bit of his energy on rehabbing that knee injury that he had in the last game of the 2018-19 season. Yes, sir. Last four, four and a half months, he's been able to work on things that he wasn't able to last summer. I think that he is going to come out and he, he'll play like he was shot out of a rocket. I, I agree with you. I, 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 agree. I, I would be fearful playing against the Edmonton Oilers. I would too. I, I have this, I just have this feeling like, you know, this in this unprecedented time, I, I feel like some, you know, one of these teams that's like a younger team that doesn't know any better, you know, like is just going to kind of surprise everybody. And I, I think that's kind of what the story of this playoffs is going to be going forward. And what's going to happen with the, you know, the eventual Stanley Cup winner? I, I just think it's going to be a team that kind of nobody expected in an unprecedented time uh, that kind of pulls through. But that's just that's just one man's opinion. But um, Edmonton Oilers do. Sca- I think they're going to scare the league too. We'll see what happens. I, I do. I have to say one thing about Edmonton though. They feasted on power play goals during the regular season, right? So 
Um, that's one thing to think about. I, I don't know what the percentage is, but they scored a lot on the power play, and um, I think they might be a little reserved. Uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know, but yeah, um, I, it's always it's always possible with Dry Saddle and McDavid for sure. Yeah, well, they have depth, and you, you know, I think that you know, again, when you look at Edmonton, and you, you know, power play goals count just like even strength goals. Sure. Yeah, so yeah. You, 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 you need more than the other team to win. And if you've got that type of skill and you can attack and you can draw penalties, I think one of the biggest things for the Edmonton Oilers, it was, was, you know, trying to learn how to attack better so that they could draw more penalties and take advantage of their skill. You know, and I, and I, I really believe that the Chicago Blackhawks are so overwhelmed and everything. I mean, team, I know what Jonathan Taze has done in his career and I know what Patrick Kane continues to do in his career. They aren't even close to McDavid and Drysdale at this stage of their careers, and no. like you know, so I don't care what they did, you know, and and, and what they've done. It, it's there. It's part of the record. I think Chicago is going to get steamrolled. Yeah, <laughs> they have some issues in goal right now too. What's up with Crawford? Is he is he hurt? Yeah, I'm not sure what's up with. Corey. I mean, Corey's had the issues with the vertigo and you know some concussions and everything. But keep this in mind about the Chicago Blackhawks. They are the very worst team in the league at giving up rush chances, inner slot chances, uh, at, at all the all the areas that the Edmonton Oilers take advantage of with their skill, the Blackhawks are the worst in the league. Yeah, and like I said, like I just bad, think that bad, they're going to get steamrolled. Yeah, yep, yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Steamrolled. <laughs> Well, another thing that we haven't talked about because we've been talking about, you know, what's going on in these playoffs, but, you know, how do you like what happened in Buffalo? They pulled a Trump and fired everybody. And is that the craziest thing you've seen in hockey since you've been uh, covering it? Two firings or something like that? <laughs> well, I mean, like, uh, I mean, it's, uh, you know, without knowing, you know, what happened in the background and everything, but, you know, I, I mean, it's really quite simple. And, and I'm, not, I'm not here. I mean, it's, uh, you know, at times, people don't want to hear uh, the critical analysis, but 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 it's real simple. And Terry and Kim Pagula are committed, passionate owners. They are. There's no question about it. They they, they want to give uh, the resources uh, to to the people managing their team and running their team, and, and they have. And there and there's been no question about it. But from the time they've taken control of the, uh, of the team in 2011, nine years of disarray. That's what it's been. And yeah. nobody can tell me it hasn't been anything but that. And so, yeah. you know what, they, they, they make another change. I, I said this at the time. You know what, I, I don't want to hear. I, I don't care what you say anymore. Your actions are going to speak much, much louder than your words. You know, listen, you know, people say, oh, Kevin Adams took over. Well, he has no experience. Well, the last two guys that they hired had experience. It didn't work out very well there. So, yeah. you know, they know Kevin. They feel comfortable with Kevin. I think Kevin is a is, is an honest, down to earth, smart person. But you know, the, you surround yourself. You know, can, the, I think they have some good players in their system. But you know, no, no, no I don't think anybody could make the case uh, for the Buffalo Sabers that the last nine years haven't been, you know, pretty much full disarray. But that's what it's been. So you know what, you got, you, you got a chance to move it forward. Well, I, I wish Kevin the best, and I wish and I wish Terry and Kim the best because they are good, passionate owners. But it hasn't been uh, the Buffalo Sabers have been one of the worst performing teams in all of sports, not just the NHL. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. The biggest news they made is the firings, right? <laughs> That's the yeah. most talking that people have done about it. You missed the days yeah. of old Patty LaFontaine. <laughs> oh, la, 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 la. Yeah. <laughs> Greg, talk to – listen, we're all uh, uh, northern New York boys, man. I know you're from Rochester, New York. We're from uh, – every single person on here is from Canton, New York, where St. Lawrence Canton. University is. and you know, 10 miles away from Clarkson University. Uh, you got any good memories of upstate New York? You know, you have some uh, stories to tell about anything like that or what? Yeah, I'm a big Golden Knights fan. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> Craig, Craig Conroy. Yeah, Craig yeah, oh, yeah. him to say hey, that. Who doesn't love, listen, St. Lawrence fans love Craig Conroy. He's exactly, <laughs> you know, you know, one of the things, in, in, and we talk about it, you know, I always try to, you know, there's so much about sports, and we talk about rivalries, and there's so many rivalries that people aren't aware of. And the and the St. Lawrence Clarkson rivalry is one that's longstanding. Uh, you know, the great college communities and great college support for those hockey teams. And you know, over the years, being in those arenas and you know, teams that were good and you know, and, and but it didn't matter. You know, wh- where where those teams were at in the standings, you, you could always count on a great competitive game. So. You know, whether it was in the middle of winter, I mean, it, it was a tight, those rinks were so tight, the old rinks, right? They were yeah. tight. And you, you, you almost felt like you were right in the action with the players. And I, and I think that the players, we talked about the emotions, uh, that players can draw from the fans. I mean, the college hockey atmosphere is, is one of the best you, you can see. And, and, and I try to encourage people, you know, we talk about robberies. The Minnesota State High School tournament is a great robbery. Your garden and AIK in, in the Sweden in Sweden is a robbery. Well, you know, St. Lawrence and, and Clarkson in uh, in the ECAC and in college hockey is, is a long-standing great rivalry. And you look at the players that have come through those programs. It, you know, it's a it, it's a it's a great history in those places. I I feel really fortunate, guys, to have been able to to experience so many of of uh, of those environments uh, where you see the passion. Of, of the supporters and you know really where hockey is thriving and I don't think there's any question that that's the case yeah yeah it's pretty cool to see towns that that small um have have great hockey like that and you know towns of six seven thousand people being able yeah. to put together you know great atmospheres like that Appleton and the old Walker arena or Teal <laughs> in there I was always scared going into Walker that if somebody lit a cigarette that the whole thing might go up. (laughs) (laughs) Appleton's the same. They still have those pine seats. And, I mean, those things are dried out like an old popcorn fart. I mean, they're going to go up. When they go, it's going to (laughs) go. Yeah, but 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 didn't they say that the St. Lawrence kids were smarter than the Clarkson kids, so they weren't going to put themselves in peril? They drank more. (laughs) They drank more. The hoot owl. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so before we let you go, we just another one last question I kind of wanted to ask you before we get you off the show here. Obviously, you're a scouting analyst, and you've probably been fo- following the draft pretty close, and that got bumped back from June to October, apparently. Um, you know, what do you see like the top four draft picks this year and the quality of these picks? Well, I'll answer the quality part. I, I, I think there's real high quality in the first – 
I mean, you, you can talk to different people and see different things. Whether it's 10 players, whether it's 12 players or 13, you know, I, I think the quality is really high. And, and, and so I'll define quality. First line forwards, top pair defensemen, and if you want a goalie, the Russian goalie is the number one goalie. So, you know, when you, when you can go that deep with that many players uh, in a draft, I, I think that tells you how high quality it is. If I take you back to the 2018 draft, uh, I know that when, you know, we, we do the draft for NBC, Bob McKenzie and I, and, you know, we knew who the first 12 players were going to be. We knew exactly who they were going to be. You know, Darlene went one, Svechikov went two, and we knew who the next 10 players, we didn't know what order they were going to go in, but we knew who they were. Kotke Nemi went, went three, and then Kachuk went four, and Baird Hayton went five. So, like, you know, if you look at rankings and everything, you can see the players in different spots. I think this year's draft is exactly the same. We know Lafreniere is going one. I don't know who's going to. I don't know if it's Byfield or Drysdale or Stutzla, but we have a we have a we've talked about a Bob McKenzie and I that we feel that this year's draft is like 2018. That we're pretty confident we know who the next 12, next 11 players or 10 players after after Lafreniere are going to be. We just don't know what orders are going to be going. And do you, do you like Marco Rossi? Do you like Lucas Raymond? Do you like Alexander Holtz? Do you like Jake Sanderson? Do you like the goalie? I mean, there's there's so much there uh, for teams to deliberate over. So I, I think there's just, just just great, great quality. And, you know, you, there's some drafts where you just go, okay, that's the second guy, like the Svechnikov. Darlene was going one and Svechnikov was going two. Everybody knew it. There was no debate on it. But, you know, there, there's no certainty who's going two in this draft. I don't think the team picking two or the team picking three or the team picking four, regardless of who they pick all the way to ten, I don't see them going wrong. I, I see them getting a high-quality player uh, right deep into that part of the draft. Greg, you got a guy that, uh, I mean – the way the executives make their money in these leagues is, you know, in this day and age is somebody off the radar, late rounds. You got somebody that nobody's going to talk about that you think is uh, going to make a big impact in the league. Oh, I think there's a bunch of guys. I, I really do. I mean, like, you know, I've watched Brendan Brisson who's going to Michigan and he played at, uh, with the Chicago Steel, I, I think he's going to be a terrific player. I mean, Jack Quinn, who played in Ottawa, I think he's the best goal scorer in the draft. But, you know, you start going deeper. Carter Savoy, who played up in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, he, I, I think he's a terrific goal scorer. You know, I, Igor Sokolov, he, he's a 20-year-old. He's a big six foot four winger with, with just the softest magical hands that's really improved his game. And somebody's going to draft him at, at, at some point. And I don't think it'll be, uh, I think it'll be somewhere in the late second, early in the third. I think that you got a chance to get a really, really good player. Sean Farrell, who played with the national team development program in, in Plymouth with Hughes and Caulfield and, and, and Turcott, that great group of players. I see him as like a Chris Drury type player. So you start to go through some of the some of the different players, and I think there's a lot of really good raw defensemen. You know, yeah. they're going to get selected in the second and third round. They're, they're going to really develop. Now they might not end up being top pair defensemen, but I see guys that could be number three and number four defensemen that could really, uh, you know, help a team. You know, you think of a Finnish defenseman like Toppy Nimala. You know, he, he, he's, he's got some really good elements to his game. He played full time in the SM Liga this year. So, you know, when I see players like that, 
you know, that, you know, all they need is patience and some time to develop. I think there's some really good getting deeper into the draft. Yeah, so you've been doing this a long time in, in following drafts as far as, you know, being a GM and, you know, a scout and all that kind of stuff for years. What do you see is um, like a big difference nowadays compared to, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago? Do you think the United States has done a good job with the national development team, um, you know, college hockey, de- developing more players for the NHL and leaving early? Um, you know, is, is there a big difference than before when there's a lot of Canadians coming out of the O and stuff like that? Yeah, I like I I think that you know the late Jimmy Johansson, you know the idea behind the national team development program was to you know try to create a program and you got to go back in time and I lived in Ann Arbor for twelve years so I was there from the from the beginning of the national team development program, but back in back in the uh, mid nineties and before that you know the, the United States was uh, had very different models of hockey. New England was high school and prep school. Michigan was club hockey. Minnesota was high school. And, and the, the, you know, you tried to bring the players together for national teams. And, you know, development was very different. And they didn't have a system that kind of coalesced around development, you know, to, to when I say development, the pyramid, you know, trying to, you know, direct everybody up the pyramid. So Jimmy Johansson, when he – came up with the idea of the national team development program. It, it was with that idea to represent the U S you know, internationally, but also to try to pull together the threads of USA hockey in all these different areas. And so we know about the national team development program, but one of the things that I think they, they did and they did and continue to do an exceptional job with in the USHL or the uh, USA hockey is that they've also been able to not players that aren't at the NTDP aren't off the radar. You know, they're watched, they're included, they're, they're, they're part of development. USHL has become a, a very, very well-run uh, junior hockey league that gives players an opportunity that aren't ready for college to continue to develop. So that's really helped USA development. College hockey, it used to be you know, there was the, call it whatever, the, the, the Power 10 or the Power 12. It was BC and BU and Michigan and Michigan State and Minnesota and Wisconsin and North Dakota. You, you know, the, the, those were the schools that, that, that were the best schools, and they got all the best players. Well, that's not the case anymore. You know, schools have really worked hard at identifying players at, at different stages and committing to them. And so now, you know, the competition for players is really good. Players know they can go to different programs and develop because you have to to keep your program on top. So when I look at USA Hockey, all the way from the National Team Development Program through pulling the, the, the different uh, models of hockey in the different regions of the U.S. to the growth of, of hockey in the different regions, non what we call non-hockey uh, areas, USHL, college hockey, the NCAA, it's been fantastic. And it's no surprise, it should come as no surprise, that the, uh, the, the USA Hockey is turning out more and more top-end players. That isn't stopping. That's continuing right, and that's great. Nice. Absolutely. Definitely. Well, we've been talking to Craig Button from TSN tonight, and we really appreciate you coming on with us tonight with the Blue Liners. And, filling us in on all your knowledge of what's going to happen in the playoffs. And now we can go place our bets and see if we can make some money. 
<laughs> well, that's what everybody's trying to do. Every, you know, it's one of those things. I always, I always laugh. Like if everybody says, "Oh yeah, place your bed here and everything," like you know, if it was as easy as just knowing what to do, I, I tell you what, I, I'd, I'd be in Vegas betting all the time. But I'm not that smart, okay? So, and, and, and I like to keep my money in my pocket instead of putting it in somebody else's pocket. So that's what makes sports fun, and you know, the betting part of it. You know, the angst of. Uh, of a game and the winning and the losing that goes with, you know, the, the ups and the downs. I mean, that's what makes it so great. And, you know, I, you know, I will say this, we're in unprecedented times. We haven't seen this in over a hundred years and I hope we don't see it again ever, but you, yeah. you know, it creates for a unique, unique environment and a unique situation. And we're all going to be able to talk about it and go, do you remember when? So, exactly. you know, that, that, yeah. that, that becomes a little bit fun to think about. Hell yeah. And there's going to be some coaches. I'm going to tell you right now, there's going to be a couple of coaches that come out of this. They're going to make a lot of money that people, you know, <laughs> that's how I feel anyways. I think, you know, this is like a coaching thing and some coaches are going to come out of here and make a lot of money. Yep. I agree. Thanks for coming on, Craig. We really appreciate it. Uh, we're excited to get you on tonight. So, uh, thanks again. Hey, yeah. Thanks for having me. And, uh, and as blue liners, remember, you don't have to play the dump and chase. Join the attack and try to score. <laughs> there you That's go. Right. There you. <laughs> Another great interview for the blue liners with Craig Button from TSN. Um, I mean, he's done a lot of things. Basically, you know, if you follow his career, um, we don't talk too much about before he got to the NHL. He's just one of these guys that, you know, kind of emerged. Um, we didn't ask him about his time with uh, the stars when he won the Nash, uh, won the Stanley Cup in 1999 um, he was the head scout for them at the time then he was uh, GM with Calgary for a few years out there and Craig Conroy was uh, one of the guys that he brought in that was on the show with us before um, you know and now he's yeah. doing his thing at TSN and one of the top analysts in the, in the world for, for NHL so uh, great to have him on and you know get that kind of knowledge. Yeah, sorry, Mark, to cut you off. But I, I wanted, I forgot to ask him about, you know, winning the cup with Dallas there. Uh, you know, Brett Hall with his skate in the crease, um, that whole controversy. I wanted to ask him about that. But yeah, we'll it was, yeah, we'll get him back on. It was great to have him on. Like, we've had Bob McKenzie on before, and uh, um, now Craig. He's another hockey encyclopedia guy. Yeah, Just- Pierre McGuire was on. So, I mean, uh, three of the top analysts in, in, in the sport. And, um, yeah, they just have a, a encyclopedia of hockey, and uh, it's good to get uh, um, his insights on what's coming up and uh, um, for all the listeners out there to uh, hear a little bit of Craig Button. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, we, on, on his picks for the conferences and stuff, it'll be curious to see, you know, once we start playing, how, they, how it works out and stuff. How it pans out, yeah. And as four guys that talk hockey quite a bit and follow hockey and watch a lot of games, and it's pretty impressive when you see these guys rattle off names from every team, right? So if we watch, you know, say we watch the Wild a lot or the Rangers or Buffalo or whatever team that we cheer for, then we also watch, you know, other games because obviously we're involved for the podcast. But the amount of names that they remember for every team, because it's impossible, as we know, as we know we're analysts for hockey, to know every player on every team and the depth charts that they can go into off the top of their heads is just, it's amazing to me, you know, how they know everybody in, you know, 
what they do. And it's pretty cool, you know, to have that kind of knowledge on the show. That's a good point, doctor, man. I, I think I was thinking the same thing. Like every time you hear these guys, like just rattling off, like every single player, you know, like on every single line, every single defenseman, you know, it's uh, you know, there's a lot of teams in the NHL, like the NHL. I always say like, you know, in the NFL, like, for instance, like, you know, you can kind of like memorize like players because there's not as many teams, you know, or it, it's just the NHL is a different animal. So like for guys like him to just and all like professional uh, analysts like him to just be able to like rattle off every single player, every single statistic, like it's a it's a it's it's really a rare thing. And it's pretty cool to listen to. And uh, it, it's just fun. It, it really is fun to listen to. Like it's, yeah. it, it's, a, it's I'm, always, I'm always impressed, man. Paid, right? It's a little different and, when you're paid and that's your job where, yeah. you know, we all four of us uh, hold down uh, full time nine to fives and uh, have families. Um, and, and we do, we do watch our, you know, there's the hockey community or hockey fan base in the United States. is pretty small compared to, uh most sports, you know, basketball, baseball, football, um, we're pretty small. And I would say us four guys uh, definitely were hockey analysts and we talk hockey and watch as much as we can. And we have a, a Rolodex of players that we know and they do, but nothing, nothing that compares to these guys that uh, yeah. they can rattle off all four lines and a couple guys. It's a different know. level. It's a different yeah, Bob McClain, Bob, uh, you know, um, Mackenzie yeah. McLean, uh, yeah. I mean, these guys, even Pierre Maguire. I mean, it's not just the players. You listen to him talk. He talks about the GMs, yeah. the owners, yeah. you know, everybody involved in the team. And then you can ask him a like, question about the draft. And he goes on to speak of, you know, every top draft pick and knows all their names. And, I mean, just pronouncing some of these names can be a fucking challenge. So, <laughs> yeah, it's you know, great it's to just, have these guys on. It's awesome that we get these top-notch guys. I mean, I forgot about uh, McLean and. Pierre Maguire, and uh, now we got Button, and uh, you know Mackenzie, and um, pretty top-notch guys. It I'm telling cool you right now, boys. Though I just want to reiterate this, and I talked about it in the podcast. There's going to be a couple of coaches that come out of this very weird situation that make a good run that maybe aren't the best coaches in the NHL. Same as like other sports that are going to make a whole ass ton of money. Because they make a good run in a, in a short span, and you mark my words, man. There's gonna be a couple of coaches come out of this that you know get like really big gigs, really big money, because this is gonna be a coaching thing going forward. Like they're gonna be rewarded more than even, more than even the players, I think, in my opinion, because there's gonna be so much emphasis put on the coaches and how they deal with this situation. So yeah, you know, we always we'll, talk about we'll, we'll torts too. See how it happens. Yep. You know, like I like tort. Towards, you know, I think he's like type of play, type of coach. Like you talk about Derek, like, you know, gets fired up. I think he can motivate a team in a short span, get his players playing good quickly. Um, you know, I, I kind of like the way he coaches his players. I like because he has so much energy um, to pass on to that to that bench in yeah. the locker room. You know, and a guy like Quinter for the Rangers, you know, I think that helps out um, them as a young team, having a coach like him. Uh really motivating players. I know Pat knows a little bit about him with his nephew playing there and be, uh, be you with him. You know, I think he's a, you know, young coach, you know, a lot of energy. I, like you said, Derek, I think some of these coaches are going to definitely show their, 
stuff in the playoffs here. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough, right? So if you're a coach, um, you can't juggle lines, you know, the, the uh, qualifying rounds, um, best of five. Um, you know, a lot of teams, you know, we say the Minnesota Wild does it all the time, juggle the lines anyways under Bruce Pedro when he was the head coach. Um, but I don't think you have that time, right? I mean, oh. the regular season's so long that uh, – you know, you can juggle the lines around a little bit and see what kind of sparks that week or, you know, what happens here. It's five games. Um, You know, oh, yeah. these guys have been practicing already, right? So they're already practicing their lines. They got the uh, special teams, the power play penalty kill. So after the first two games or, you know, after the first game, you might be able to make a couple adjustments. But um, after you make those adjustments, if you do – um, you got, you know, and you, in those adjustments are in game two and now you're down two games. Now what do you do? I mean, so you keep them the same and say, I got to keep them together at least one more game and get a W. Um, it's going to be I just tough. Don't, I, I don't think there'll ever be a moment in history of the NHL where like, we all know the players, right? We all know the players. We all know the teams. Like you're never going to see a situation in any, in any sport where the coach, you know, is going to be under like this is the showcase for a coach right now right so they've yeah. had months to prepare we all know the players but there's never going to be a situation where the coaches are showcased so much in what they can do like in a short period of time to get their team you know this is like a brand new start right so every team has an opportunity to win the cup right now there's no other situation in the history of the nhl where the coaches are going to be under the microscope as much as they are right now yeah. bottom line period i mean it's just the coaches are going to be on the microscope more than ever players are going to be players and it's going to be the coaches that are, it's going to be all right. Right. yeah and like craig said you know what coach is going to do some innovative things to get them to the next level right to get them exactly. to the next round which coach is going to think outside the box do a little do things a little bit differently than they have in the past and you know help their team yeah. to get to the next level no doubt. Speaking of outside the box, boys. Oh, <laughs> manscape. Manscape. I got my manscape today in the in the mail. You gonna open it up? Yeah, I'm yeah, so for the listeners, Robbie Peters here, he's opening up a box that we've uh, received from Manscape as one of our sponsors on the show. So he's Ooh. opening up the box that we got right now. He's got the the mower in there. Ooh, a little newspaper action. Never been longer. <laughs> my beard is pretty long right now. Got this pretty case, pretty nice case uh, for what toiletries? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Dob kit. Leather. Copy. Yeah. 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 Got a newspaper. Oh, shave your balls. <laughs> shave your balls. <laughs> We, we save balls. Save balls. Save, we yeah, save balls. They, so do they have like directions on how to mow the balls in the newspaper or is it just self-explanatory? Yeah. Is there a certain way that you're supposed to, you know, against the grain, with the grain, <laughs> shriveled balls, saggy just balls? The, just the grain are just sagging, yeah. Maybe we can so, do like uh, make lines like you're mowing your lawn so you get like one look one way, one look the other yeah. way. Yeah, so they have a nice And here it is, boys. The there it is. The mower. The Look mower. at that thing. You could probably like 
put your number, you know, in your hair down there, Rob. You know, like, Ooh. you know, used to put your number on the side of your head when you were a kid. You put, like, number we're six. Do that again. Should we do that again? I think we should. Start putting our numbers in the side of our head. <laughs> I remember my Aunt Sandy did that for everyone. We were in yes. Your, your balls, balls will thank you. Amen. Hey, so if you haven't checked out their products, go to their website. Um, obviously, they've come on board with us here at the Blue Line Hockey Club, and we're big fans of the, the mowers. We just got them here. We've been growing out the bush to see if they can take it. So hopefully uh, we don't clog them up too bad. And, I, I know, know. I got to put them to the test. I saw a four-point in my moth the other day. <laughs> it was a crotch. It was a nice crotch one. <laughs> <laughs> a couple uh, dingleberries the in there might the get lawn- it caught up. Yeah, the patent thing on the lawnmower um, compared to other shavers, if you manscape, most guys manscape our age is, uh, Rob, you can show them the, if you take that guard off, there's a white plastic cutter that cuts with the metal. And uh, so two metals is what uh, saves your balls, right? I mean, pinches or cuts your balls. On the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0, it's uh, plastic and it doesn't pinch or cut. So. Yeah, well, I'm hoping that, you know, it doesn't nick my, my sack like the rest of them do. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing, right? So, like, you try to save your balls and you fucking nip your sack, it starts bleeding. It's no good, it hurts like hell, you know, so they figured out how to save us from buying Band-Aids and just buy the mower. Let's not forget the paint. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta get in deep, boys. Gotta get in deep. That's where you find the crotch one. Boys. Your balls yeah. to thank you. Yeah. yeah. So get the big, big thanks to Manscaped for sending us out some, we got some mowers. The, the ladies will thank us, that's for sure. Good uh, podcast. Uh, tomorrow we got a good uh, guest coming up for next week. We have... Um, Nick Polino. Nick Polino is the captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm really excited to uh, hear what he has to say. I'm a big Torps fan, so hopefully he gives us a little info on Torps and how he uh, pumps up the team and uh, some funny stories if he has any on him. But uh, just talking to Nick would be great. Another Rochester boy. Uh, Craig was just from Rochester, so... Um, another New York boy, so uh, we're pretty excited to get uh, Nick on next week and uh, have him on. Yeah, another great episode, another great interview coming up, so check out all our stuff, boys. Uh, we got a social media campaign out there, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, our YouTube channel is phenomenal. Get on there and check out YouTube. We've got a crazy amount of videos on there of our past shows. Uh, check out this show on online if you want to watch it, the video as well. Uh, great extension to our podcast, our YouTube channel. So make sure you check it out. Flip through, see There's plenty of hockey to be watching on our YouTube channel. Exactly. For sure. Cable, right? You can just go through uh, YouTube, get the internet. All free, baby. Manscape, baby. Manscape it. All right, boys. Until next time, keep your stick on the ice. Do ya? Sweet Keep your head up.